Hello, and welcome to Skywire's Beyond the Page, the podcast where we delve into the deeper side of Skysoft's stories and characters. Every month, we analyze, theorize, and hypothesize about all things Skysoft with a cast member. And on today's episode, I'm thrilled to have Hunter Tabiendo, who plays Oran in season three of Fox and Penelope in season one of 365. Hunter, thank you so much for joining me here today. I'm so glad to be here. And thank you for saying Penelope. Correct. Of course, gotta say it right, right? <laughs> okay, so uh, we have a few questions here just about the characters that you play, the process of acting. So we're gonna go ahead and start with that. So I feel like the best way to start these episodes, at least with cast members, is kind of by asking them about their characters' journeys so for Oran, when we first briefly meet him in season two, he's kind of like this cowardly goofball who, you know, after making us laugh, he just immediately runs away at the first sign of trouble. However, you know, in season three, we saw him develop this very strong connection with Fox. And in a way, he redeemed himself. You know, he's still silly. He gives us these plenty of funny moments. But he also has this really great emotional moments as well. So tell us, how did Oran evolve this season? Well, the just the, with the initial conception of the character, he was just supposed to be the guy in season two who just kind of shows up, helps mm. out. And the, the way I really kind of thought about it is just with me and Monroe's connection uh, that already existed as cousins. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's just a guy who's just kind of there to help support you. And how do we kind of just show two strangers who don't know each other in this world where they're both kind of alone and mm -hmm. how do you where do you go from there uh, it was basically just kind of he's he's just kind of there mostly to uh support her um i hope it kind of came through the audience could could really pick up is that you know the first moment he's like oh you're the chosen one yeah and she's like no i'm not and he's like oh okay sounds good to me <laughs> yeah and he just kind of moves on from there it's like that's what you said it's like well hey if you're the chosen one you're the chosen one. but well, if that's not who you want to be that's who am I to say? I'm just mm -hmm. some guy. Mm -hmm. And out of all the like the rest of the brotherhood, I think including even Deja, they're all just kind of like, "Well, Fox, you're the chosen one. We need you to be the chosen one." And Oran just like, "Yeah, that'd be nice, but you know, <laughs> if if that's not her, that that then that's not her." Yeah. So the way that kind of came, comes around is that Oran is really looking towards Fox for somebody else that's uh, not around anymore. Mm. And mm, it's like okay. kind of like, uh, you know, she's just kind of feeling it. She's feeling a place in his life that he's been missing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, it's interesting you brought that up because that's definitely something that I wanted to ask you about as well mm. is, you know, what is it like to be involved in this project with your cousin, you know, with someone that you've pretty much grown up with and, you know, known, known your life? Like, <laughs> is it hard sometimes to like, you know, toe the line between like, oh, like we're acting right now and oh, like we're cousins right now. The acting part isn't the hardest thing because when we're acting together, we're friends, you know, it's mm -hmm. Ron and Fox. And mm -hmm. then it kind of goes back to when we were kids, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, Hunter and Hunter and Monroe. Uh -huh. And the way we just kind of used to, it, it, it's pretty much, we used to play, we used to play make-believe as kids all the time either <laughs> uh -huh. it was something we made up or it was a movie or a sh tv show that we were watching and we wanted to be 
the heroes, the characters. We of course. always wanted to play around, you know, Star Wars. It was yeah. even, you know, Star Wars Power Rangers. I mean, shoot, even The Patriot. We used to, we used to, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, well, I mean, that was more my thing because I loved that <laughs> yeah. movie as a kid for some reason. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she was like, yeah, let's, yeah, let's play Civil War. I mean, let's Civil War. Jeez. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's play Revolution. Yeah. You know, let's do that. And we didn't know how it worked. But the harder thing <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely has been the business aspect of it. Uh-huh. And that, I think, comes from where we are as adults uh-huh. and not what we really want to do but it's the definite needs of the show mm. and we just come from two different places so uh we come from two, two different places is how, how we are as adults and how we actually handle things yeah and it's not what, and it's not that we butt heads but we have two different methods mm. and it kind of comes around to a point where it's like oh, okay well you know it's a it's a different way to think of things you know she's definitely the leader but mm-hmm. she hears me out and mm-hmm. I respect that, yeah, but and then sometimes it kind of comes out of like, okay, that's a that's a valid point. We're gonna do things my way. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, fair enough. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the boss. Yeah, but at least you get your points exactly. heard. You know? Yeah, I she's yeah. never stopped me from trying to speak my mind, or uh, she you know she'll always hear me out. No. So that's yeah. you know, always that's cool. a nice thing. That's exactly. a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, speaking of beautiful things, <laughs> one of the sweetest things I thought about this past season of Fox was watching the relationship between Oran and Deja kind of develop and grow. You know, so what do you think it is about Oran that Deja eventually fell in love with? You know, do you, how do you think they balance each other out? Well, far be it for me to speak for the mind of a woman. <laughs> However, yeah, um, Deja comes from a very bad community. Mm. You know, she comes from a group of, de- of dream demons. Mm. And it's like, the way she talks about um, how Ross sees women, mm. you know, no one touches a queen, but pretty much everyone else he doesn't care about. And you can kind of assume a lot of things from that point on mm, for, okay. after what she says. But then you have this guy who comes around, you know, has the strength to do whatever he wants because he's just big enough. And he, you know, she can't run away from him because he's too fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then he comes around, tries to talk to her, and it's just... Oh, it's no, it's okay. You don't have to do anything you don't want to. And he's just there, pretty much, just to talk. Yeah. And so it's like, it's kind of maybe her first real interaction with a man that's not being forced or trying to control. Maybe it's leading to somewhere, but it's on her decision. Mm, okay. And you know, he's also a very handsome and strong guy. I mean, who wouldn't <laughs> like one? Of course. Of I course. mean, that's a that's the easier part of the question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, kind of along the lines of that second part of the question, like, mm-hmm. how do you think they balance each other out then? They balance each other out. Well, Daisy definitely has a lot more control. Okay. And uh, I tried to play it up in the finale of, of uh, season three, where Oran just kind of keeps lashing out against the mm. He just has some kind of bone to pick with the guy. And every time he does that, he gets his butt whooped by Leo. Yeah, yeah. And then the one time Deja like holds him back and he just stops and listens, you know, kind of twists around. They they then they end up working together mm-hmm. and they beat Aaliyah. Mm-hmm. So when it come when it come when it came to that, it was like, okay, so she knows what she's doing. And this guy, he's just a, a force of nature. He he has like no thought. He just kind of goes off and does things. Yeah. And so, you know, she also knows what she's doing. She's not just say, hey, let's stop and think about it. He's like, hey, let's stop. Let's do it this way. Mm-hmm. So she's definitely smarter than Aura, and that helps him out. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, you know, definitely one thing that a lot of people took away this past season was, like I said, those very big, powerful emotional moments. And one of the most powerful scenes of this past season was watching Fox realize that Marilla was her mother. And spoiler alert. <laughs> I know that that wasn't just difficult on screen, but I know it was very difficult off screen as well. So, you know, how are you able to power through that scene with Monroe, not just as Oran and Fox, but as uh, Hunter and Mor and Monroe? Um, well, you know, the cool thing about being cousins is that me and her, we've talked about a lot of things in our personal lives. Mm -hmm. We've helped each other do a lot of things in our personal lives. And I know for that scene specifically exactly what she was going through, the specific... Uh, event in her life yeah. that really inspired her emotions for that scene as mm -hmm. we were recording and I know it was a very painful time for her and it was and it was also easy for me to remember so it's like when yeah. that actually came up it was just ah damn yeah but you know we're on camera you know I know she's using that event in her life to convey those emotions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when you're acting that's important because if you're not really feeling it you're not really feeling it and the audience will see that yeah so it's just okay well I'll let her use it and then I, I think you pretty much remember yeah that one scene after I carried her off we just mm -hmm. kind of hung back for a minute yeah and yeah. so it's just like okay just you know let things play out sometimes you just need to take a moment away and that's mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. you know and for that specific, uh, specifically you know I was proud of her yeah, it was really of course. cool it was really cool to watch uh on my side of camera and also watching it after the fact especially knowing that she has the strength to use that event for mm -hmm. something positive for something in the show yes do it scene after scene after scene to relive that emotion mm -hmm. and then put it out there for the world to see yeah that's a very strong thing to do it's very inspiring I'm trying to use that in the next season okay yeah okay yeah well I'm looking forward to seeing that <laughs> yeah uh, Oran, you know, generally seems to know the right things to say at the right time, especially when it comes to comforting Fox. So what is it about Oran that gives him this this wisdom of sorts to be able to know, like, the right thing to say at the right time? I know we don't really go too much into Oran's backstory, mm -hmm. and that's going to change. Because I realized I wrote all these crazy backstory speeches for you guys. <laughs> and I, I was like, after the fact, I was like, oh, my God. We what about me? <laughs> we don't know anything about Oran. So yeah. He's just some guy still. Like, we went through a whole season of him. And it's like, <laughs> wait, but wait, who is he? Yeah. <laughs> why is he? Yeah. You know, why is Oran? <laughs> yeah. And what it really comes down to is that uh, Oran has been alone most of his life, just like Fox. Mm. A little bit less than Fox, but he's still been alone for a long enough time where he can really understand her. Yeah. And you have to imagine that he's just kind of been through his life and through these other things and he's figured that he's had to figure things out on his own just like Fox mm -hmm. but he's done his but he's, he's gone through his own life possibly in a way where he's been able to figure these things out where Fox has just been so alone so isolated yeah. and so targeted most of her life yeah. that there's all this pressure that she can't exactly take the time to decompress and figure things out on her own because there's always a new challenge for her mm -hmm. or on he just kind of 
the, the way it is is like if he finds something he doesn't like he can just leave there's no <laughs> yeah. pressure like one yeah. is, like no one's gonna catch him yeah. um, i mean and most of the times like he can he might be able to intimidate his way out of a situation and then walk away like oh god that worked yeah. Phew. Oh, thank yeah. god or you know thank Barrick. yeah and uh beyond that it's like you know he's been able to kind of go through life easier and just be able to f- figure things out he had he's been able to handle things as he's wanted to or mm-hmm. fox might have just been like just you know it's always something else to focus on and she just kind of goes straight through or, or just kind of like wanders around zigzagging from mm. point to point it's like oh well this doesn't work let's go over here this doesn't work let's go over here so it's just kind of the way i think it's he's had the ability to just stop and think about things sometimes gotcha so it's those moments where he can sit back and think that that's where he kind of develops this this wisdom of sorts. Yeah. It's kind of reflecting on what he's been through. Yeah, he could also just be one of those people that just kn- maybe doesn't know what to say, but he says something so ambiguously general that <laughs> the person takes the meaning that they want ah, okay. and what they feel like they should take from it. That's how I, I mean, because the character is heavily based on me. I like to just give unsolicited advice. <laughs> yes. I, as, I'm, as I'm sure you know I'm wanting to do. Yes. You know? <laughs> so it's just, I, I just talk too much sometimes and I try to do it in a vaguely positive way most of the time. Mm-hmm. So he gives, uh, he speaks truth to the whole that's just vague enough to work sort of thing. Exactly. So okay. it's like, well, well, this didn't work. Well, like, I didn't say that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I said this and I, you I, interpreted I, it exactly. as that. I said this and then you did that. So it's like, <laughs> not my fault. Well, there you go. <laughs> I guess that's true. Um, one thing that is definitely undeniable about this past season is that there was a lot of action. A lot of people were really responsive to that. And what many might not know is that you choreographed our fight scenes. So what was that process like? How were you able to figure out how to highlight the different specialties of each weapon? Because we were working with a bunch of different ones. Oh, yeah. So... What was the process of creating all these fight scenes and choreographing them? Well, I definitely try to play off the characteristics of the weapons themselves, mm-hmm. like what what the weapon is, uh, the size, the weight. Mm-hmm. Okay, trying to imagine that and mostly bringing it back to kung fu, kung yeah. fu movies. Um, you're not going to swing the same sword. I mean, excuse me. You're not going to swing. You're not going to swing ten swords the same way mm-hmm. because they're all going to be different unless they're identical. Yeah. But if you have shorter swords, longer swords, short swords that have a guard that don't have a guard, that they have different weights, that are uh, only sharpened on one side, sharpened on both sides, some of them have a point, some of them have mm-hmm, a curve, mm-hmm. you're not going to swing every single sword the same way. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to create a variety with the characters and the weapons they wield, and then try to bring in the different styles and physicalities to each of the styles. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so when it kind of comes to that, I try to pair up weapons with each character that uh that kind of work for them mm-hmm. like Rasman versus Kiloa yes. versus Oron yes. versus Fox because Fox and Rasman even have similar type of weapons in the finale Rasman has his sword in the finale and then Fox has her wolf sword mm-hmm. technically those are the same or similar types of swords a bastard sword to a, a claymore uh, size the props are pretty much identical sizes because it's hard to get those hmm. perfectly individual and unique sizes yeah however you can see that they both use their weapons differently possibly and that's mostly Absolutely. due to the actors and also the characters themselves mm-hmm. but when you get the different styles it's always fun to watch how everything kind of matches up with each other like paper rock and scissors mm-hmm. 
Why did I say it so weird? Rock, paper, scissors. People <laughs> rock and scissors. That sounds so formal. <laughs> but when you kind of have the different weapons and their strengths, their weaknesses pair up against each other, you also have, you know, it's, it's fun to watch that and also take into account who the warriors are, who, who's, who's using those weapons, and how well they can use it. Maybe mm-hmm. this weapon isn't that good against this weapon, but the warrior is so much better than this other warrior. Mm-hmm. It's, they're going to win. Because mm-hmm. it's not its not always just the tools, but also um, the person using it. Yeah. You know, it's that old saying. Uh, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. comes down to a lot of that. And also, who's the main character and who's not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Who are we highlighting yeah, exactly, in this scene? Exactly, yeah, exactly. And another big thing is, is the context of the scene. Yes. Uh, Marilyn Fox now have three fights together, mm-hmm. and all of them are extremely different. Partly because of the emotions. Yeah. Uh, well, mostly because of the emotions and where the characters are at mm-hmm. in the script from their fight in season two and the two different fights in season three. And also the weapons as well. Mm-hmm. They're coming at from different. Each each scene starts out from a different emotion and they finish in uh, very different ways. Yeah. So that's really a, a good explanation as to how where the characters are at yeah. and what the, and where the story needs to go after the fact mm-hmm. as how it's going to describe how the fight is going to end up. Okay. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot, a lot more to it. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think you can tell, you know, the kind of work that you put into it mm-hmm. and, and the way it turned out on the screen. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, moving on to 365, mm-hmm. you know, in a cast full of memorable characters... Penelope certainly stood out and made herself known. So I guess my initial question is, what did you do or like who did you observe and study to prepare for the role of Penelope? Drag queens. <laughs> I looked up a list of like influential drag queens and I just kind of found YouTube videos online. Okay. RuPaul's Drag Race was a, of course. Was a big way to like find, to get a, a good finger on the pulse for like modern drag queens and and, and not just the famous ones but just multiple views and how you know each of the performers view drag and do drag yeah and because one of the biggest things I wanted to do is that I didn't want to insult drag queens of course not because you know it was just like kind of oh this is a fun character idea at first but then once I kind of once I picked the role I was like I don't want to like make a mockery of it no I I definitely want to give it the respect it deserves Mm mm-hmm even though I myself am not a drag queen. Mm-hmm. I, I hated the makeup. I hated the wig. It's, the wig was the worst part. The makeup, I could deal with. The eyelashes, <laughs> yeah. like the fake eyelashes were annoying, but they weren't as bad as the wig. If I, if I was going to do drag, I was going to have short hair. You know, okay. a pixie cut every time. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I just didn't want to be some goofy guy in drag and make fun of that. You know, I wanted the character to be a drag queen and just focus on, on why the character's there, mm-hmm. not the fact mm-hmm. that they're a drag queen. Exactly. And I hope that came through. I think so, yeah. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't really hear about the performance such, oh, you look great. <laughs> That's my makeup artist. What about me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my, I, I was just the canvas at that point. <laughs> yeah. How did I do. Yeah. It's all about me. I'm, I'm an actor. Please satiate my ego. <laughs> yes. But yeah. I, I looked up drag queens, and the character was really inspired by my love of music. Uh, I would be in the car. I'd always sing out like these disco tunes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, can't think of the names. No. Aretha Franklin. You know, all, all the diva disco queens. Yes. You know, all the diva soul queens. Just, yeah. I would just sing that in the car, and then it's like, huh, that's pretty fun. You know, it's I don't care if I do this. And so I was like, okay, let's kind of work it from here. And then to actually get in 
getting my head in the right space for the role, I was listening to a lot of music just mm-hmm. off in the corner and just listening to all that. And it yeah. really helped, you know, it's like kind of getting that diva personality, trying to turn it up after mm-hmm. the point. It's like, okay, just start from here and we'll, we'll see where we can go. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, kind of speaking along those lines, one of the funniest things about Penelope is how she chooses to pronounce her name, you know. So how did that idea develop of her wanting to specifically have it pronounced that way? That wasn't my choice. Ah. But I loved it. Uh You know, it it was something I didn't really think about. But it was something that I think Monroe brought to me. And he was like, it's Penelope. I was like thinking like, wait, that's a fun way to say it. And then like, there's that line, it's Penelope, because I don't like the way my mouth says Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, ooh, I'm going to turn into that. So it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say it all, I'm going to try to say it all sexy with Penelope. I'm going to say it all ill with Penelope. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's such a fun little moment for me, because it's like, it wasn't my idea, but I got to like, take it up after the fact. Mm-hmm. Got and, to run with it. Yeah, exactly. So it was like, oh, like, I don't, I, honestly, I don't know how that came around or like, why it came around. Yeah. But I was like, ooh, this is fun. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> and then, now it's such an iconic moment for the character. It's like, Absolutely. It's, you, I can't say it any differently now. Mm-mm. I can't, I can't even like, I have, whenever I hear other people say Penelope Beefcake, it triggers me. Yeah, you're like, oh, no, no. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Then, Did you even watch the show? <laughs> like, do you even watch the show? What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> uh, kind of a, um, a bouncing off of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think the way that she chooses to pronounce her name also reflects how she chooses to live her life? Yes. Because... Um, knowing the character, mm-hmm. you know, beyond the page. Yes. <laughs> and roll credit. Uh, knowing the character beyond what's shown on screen. Yes. There's a specific reason why Penelope Beefcake is a drag queen. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's creating a character and living a life that that person just can't do in, 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 their, in their regular persona. Mm-hmm. So they've adopted Penelope to explore that, to adventure you know, to experience something that they haven't had before, to find that side of them to where they can express themselves rather mm-hmm. than repress themselves. Exactly. And so when it really comes out, it's like, I'm not just going to be a, you know, a, a girl name with a with a funny last name because yeah. you know, my body type. I'm just going to be Penelope. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to forge a path now. Mm-hmm. Like, this is where I'm headed. You know, you can yeah. follow me if you want to. Exactly. But I'm leading this. I like that. Um, I got a few more questions here. Um, When Penelope first met Gwen and the rest of the crew, it was clear that Gwen already knew of her and was a big fan of her work. And and I have a feeling that that feeling was mutual. So, you know, what made Penelope such a fan of Gwen? The music, you know. Um, Bringing Rockabilly back? Yeah, bringing Rockabilly back. Like, you know how fucking hard that is? Yeah. And um, well, definitely the music because where I kind of came up with the character for Penelope Beefcake from my love of music, yeah. Of course, Penelope herself is gonna find you know the strong women with the great music in that world mm-hmm. to kind of adhere themselves to, and so the fact that Wendy uh, Lefay comes around from her music and and how she leads that you know little slice of the industry for herself. Penelope is of course going to support that even like Penelope Beefcake might not even be as old as Gwendolyn's career yeah but Mark Rivera which is um, her alter ego mm-hmm. is, was definitely a fan when that came out mm-hmm. you know so it's like 
as a kid, Mark Rivera probably like listened to her music through her parents or just you know someone gave her a CD like her friends at school found that music and was like oh this is awesome this is amazing I'm such a great fan and then grows up does her own you know becomes Penelope Craig does her thing and then from that point on it's like oh my god you're a fan you watch my stuff I love your stuff it's just like one of those funny little geeky moments that yeah. she probably never would have imagined having before the fact yeah so it you know kind of plays around itself in a circle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this last question here um, is what is it like to act as a character who is essentially also acting as a character herself you know it's interesting because you have to think of that person in their moment in that moment for their own goals mm-hmm. like I'm acting as Mark being mostly Penelope Beefcake mm-hmm. but then you you have to never forget that you're not I'm not playing Hunter Tabiendo as Penelope Beefcake I'm playing Mark exactly. Rivera as Penelope Beefcake yeah like there's a small moment in the little dance montage where the where John Black <laughs> and uh, Kelvin are just kind of like dancing up on her and she's like oh, stop yeah you know yeah. it's like whoa this this like yo this, this ain't cool <laughs> yeah and it's like as much and that's for like anybody really they all they always have a line and I think at that moment he kind of uh, Penelope BK kind of reverted back to Mark Rivera for a second. He's like, "Well, okay, this ain't cool, guys. Yeah. What's up?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, like no. <laughs> uh-huh. And so it, it Mark Rivera is a very simple character in that, like, because he's basically uh, in the script is basically saying Penelope Beefcake is there. That's the character that's mostly on screen. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a shade. There's just the existence of Mark Rivera as the alter ego, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's like. Mark Rivera is not there to be there. Mark Rivera is Penelope Beefcake in that whole moment. Yeah. The moment he, the moment she walks on screen to the moment you don't see her anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's, it's not really his character uh, goals and all that stuff that's trying to drive that scene, but Penelope's. And so it's like, one, but once, you know, something from outside, something, once an external threat comes in, kind of pulls back to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, primal id of like who you are it's like well this ain't cool yeah and so that kind of shows me for like a quick second but it was kind of easy because I just got to focus on Penelope and there's a scene that wasn't involved it's deleted right now that talks about like the duality of who you are versus who you put yourself out to be and for a, a drag queen that's very literal Yes, but then for a celebrity, that's also a lot more subtle. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be. You know, you you're always who you are, but then you're also the person you put out there. Like when in the face, she has her own life, and whenever she meets somebody else, like oh, you're the queen of rock, you're doing all this. Like why aren't like da 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 da? And it's just, well, she's also more than just that too. Yeah, and so there was a scene involved that kind of really hit that on the nose and really talked about that. Mm. So. You know, it, it just kind of comes around to being uh, what who the people are and what they want to be, what they put themselves out there as. And for Penelope Beefcake and, you know, slash Mark Rivera, mm-hmm. that's just a very um, literal sense of the whole theme. Yeah. I like that interpretation of it. That's really cool. Um, so now we've come up to uh, my favorite part, <laughs> which is always these hypothetical what-if situations. Yeah. So I got a few of them here for you. Sounds good, man. I was yeah. excited. I, I had a fun time listening to you, you and Monroe talk about right? it. So I'm excited. <laughs> so here we go. Um, first one is, 
in an ideal situation, and it could be in Canada or it could be here, um, what would a perfect date between Oren and Deja look like? Let's see. Oh, I, I didn't expect that. <laughs> um, if I was Oran trying to take Deja on a date, yeah, I we'd go running off to all the great locations of Ganadon because we can. Yeah, you know, it's like you know the world's our oyster, and mm-hmm. we might get a couple oysters. <laughs> Literally, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, we can. Oh, let's go to the beach, and let's go to the mountains. Let's go here, because yeah. Deja's been kind of cooped up with uh, the dream demons for so long. She probably didn't have that much you know, independence and free will to kind of go off where she wanted. Mm-hmm. So she's probably in this way where it's like, oh, well, I don't need to see the world. You know, yeah. she doesn't know. Oron's like, oh, I've been everywhere. Mm-hmm. Let me show you. Let me, let me show you right. my favorite places. I got some portals yeah, here. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I got some portals. Yeah. Let's just uh, let's just run into the nth dimension and just, <laughs> yeah. you know, show up on the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I, I, I would kind of see it as like a you know, Orange just kind of like having fun, like showing her all these different places that she's probably never imagined seeing, you know. It's kind of like uh, Ray in The Force Awakens when she okay. goes to the new planet, like, oh my God, I know there's yeah. so much green. You yeah, know? yeah, like, yeah, I that's know, true. I didn't know something could be, ever be so colorful. Mm-hmm. And maybe not to that extent, but it's like, Oran knows all these places, Deja doesn't. Mm-hmm. Great date idea. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, let's go explore, you yeah. know. I know the play. I know, I know the way, and you don't. Mm-hmm. So you all have fun along the way. Mm-hmm. Plus, I like these places, and there's great food. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, is fruit gonna be involved? Oh, fruit, meat, <laughs> you know, whatever you want. You know, we'll, yeah. just, we'll pick it up on the way. We'll find it there. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so it'd be like pretty much just like the super speed version of travel. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool, actually. That would be a lot of fun. Um, my next question is, you know, like you said, we haven't really heard too much about. Oran or about Kova. So mm-hmm. my question was, um, if Covens were to have like a national holiday, like a Fourth of July type thing of Coven independence or something, uh, what kind of events, activities, traditions, cultural sort of things would we see at a at, at a holiday like that? Well, Kova is like a very small but very densely populated district. Okay. And the, way, the reason why they're able to have so many people is because there's a lot of food. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very yeah. tropical location, so it's like there's a lot of life there. Okay. You know, vegetation, um, you know, there's a lot of flora, a lot of fauna, mm-hmm. and, there's, and there's just a lot of, it's, there's just a bounty. But there's also a lot of uh, competition between the different tribes, different mm-hmm. families mm-hmm. that live there to kind of, you know, have control over the best hunting grounds, the, you know, the best food areas yeah. so that they can, you know, have food for their, for their group. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine there'd be like a peace day where like no one fights, everyone shares everything. Yeah. You know, it's like a Thanksgiving almost. Like, you know, the different tribes come together. Someone brings a big pig and someone brings all, you know, <laughs> yeah, a, a big boar. A, a thousand tons of fruit. Yeah. Because, you know, and they, yeah. probably, they probably don't even like collect it beforehand. They just like, oh, it's on the way. We'll, we'll pick something up. You know, yeah. We'll just pull, you know, we'll just pull this peach off a tree and then we got, you know, we'll just take a whole apple tree. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll cut it down and you carry it. Mm hmm. And, you know, it, I just imagine a great big feast with a lot of food, a lot of drinking, a lot of dancing, you yeah. know, just a lot of fun. That sounds like a lot of fun, right? Very, very fulfilling in a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the things that definitely stands out about Oran is he's very open minded and he's very accepting. So, you know, if Penelope were to join the Brotherhood, what advice would Oran have for her? Why do you live two lives? Mm. Why do you why do you have to find a moment where 
you have to be one person or the other. Hmm. And I, I don't think that's more like a challenge, but it's more like a, a, a just an honestly curious question. Hmm. Because in Ghana, then you probably don't have the luxury of, you know, the modern world, of, yeah. our, of our world. And so it's more just like, okay, so you dress up as Penelope and Mark. Do you have two people in your head? <laughs> or is it more You'd just like, be genuinely curious. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 but, it, but he tried to like find a way. It's like, why do you live two lives? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a big question for Penelope because she doesn't know why. Mark mm. doesn't know why. Because um, it's like, you know, why can't you find something with both? Or, it, you know, is there is there a reason why you have two lives? Is that a good reason? Is there a reason why you can't blend everything together? Mm -hmm. You know, I think it'd be more like, uh, oh, that's a good question. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. Oh, wow. Thinking like, because I really don't know the actual mentality of like drag queens and people who live that life because I'm I'm not that mm -hmm. but you know I can understand there's the performance there's the freedom in it there's you know the, I'm an actor so I do have fun having an alter ego I do have fun being somebody else mm -hmm. ever since I was a kid I've, I've, loved, I've loved playing make-believe playing pretend mm -hmm. and so I can understand that aspect of it but then for a guy who's lived in this primitive and tribal world his whole life to see that yeah. Or I would be like, why aren't you just one person? Mm -hmm. You know? And I think that's just a good question for Penelope herself to explore because yeah. I know for a fact that she doesn't really know why. Or mm -hmm. she knows exactly why she can't live one life. She has to have both lives. But it's not so, but it's more so as to having the courage to be both people and have people know that you're the same person yeah yeah and then i was going to kind of flip it so what advice would penelope have for the brotherhood vice versa she'd probably agree a lot with the rasmin like yes stink <laughs> yeah you know yeah. it's like oh, <laughs> what does that smell <laughs> you know you guys could do a bit more fashion you know, like, here, here, <laughs> yeah here, here oran you have some things right let's let's, let's, let's go take a look at some of those boxes up. you guys need some work yeah <laughs> Yeah. Why guys always win? Why does you guys need some more color? Why does everyone always just black and white? <laughs> so she'd want them maybe to let's be. put some green in there. Let's, let's get some teal. Let's get some pink on you. You know, like Rasmus, come over here. Yeah. You could do with some floral patterns. Oh right. Davi, smile. <laughs> yeah, smile more, please. <laughs> so she'd want them to maybe just loosen up a little yeah, bit, even up, though have more fun. There's even, like craziness going on. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a life or death situation. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, relax. You're either gonna live, or you're gonna die. Exactly. Like, just relax about it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, next up, and it's kind of like a multi-layered question here for this last one. So, um, you know, due to the current political climate that we're living in, you know, being comfortable and open in your gender identity and your gender fluidity is unfortunately very difficult. You know, it's harder than ever. So. You know, what kind of advice would Penelope give to people struggling with being comfortable with themselves? You know, if she was still making like these YouTube videos, mm -hmm. what kind of messages would she be giving for for kids today, like in our, our current situation? Yeah, true. Um, it's easy to say, go out there, be yourself, don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. The harder thing is 
finding the right space for it. Mm. Just because you should be, just because you should be able to um, feel safe anywhere, doesn't mean it is. Yeah. The best thing to do is, I'd say, find a community. Mm. Find a community where that exists. You don't have to blaze a trail. You mm -hmm. know, there, there's people out there that are like you. Mm -hmm. Find them, grow with them. Mm -hmm. Because the hard thing is not trying to be yourself, but find the place where there's positive reinforcement. There's people who will support you. Um, I struggle with that with my creativity because when I was a young kid with Monroe, you know, we used to have like crazy make-believe and all that stuff. And then I mm -hmm. grew up and I had to lose that because there were, you know, situations where it's like that wasn't really supported. Yeah. You know, it's like, why are you reading these? I used to read a lot of Redwall books, which is by Brian Jakes. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like medieval, medieval uh, fiction that includes not anthropomorphized animals, but animals in a realistic form <laughs> as they fight with swords and bows and arrows. Oh. I loved it. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, it's amazing. And super, super, it's super great storytelling that's so simple that children can understand it, that tackle life, death, wow. you know, romance, it, prophecy, fate, responsibility, and honor. Yeah. But in a, in, in a setting that children can easily understand it. And I loved it at the time. You know, I read all the way through middle school. And then someone, like, challenged me on that. He's like, why are you reading books about, like, mice and weasels and stuff? I was like, well, because I like it. Well, that's weird. <laughs> and then I stopped. Oh, and that's yeah. just the simple analogy for everything else that was kind of going on. It's like, I, I moved states. I lost all my friends. I had to make new things. So it's like, I tried to adhere to a different identity so I could fit into that group. Yeah. And I kind of forgot who I was as a kid. Mm. Working on Fox has really helped me find that again because I am a creative person. Yeah. I, you know, I forgot that for a long time and being able to go out there, find that again and have the right kind of environment to explore that part of myself again has been amazing. Mm -hmm. So bringing that back to uh, um, the question yeah. is like, find the right environment for it because you know it's hard to grow a flower you know in the middle of the city and even then it's only just a flower on the sidewalk mm -hmm. if you can find a garden the right kind of garden for, for who you are you can find the right environment for yourself you're not just going to be there alone and who you are you're also mm -hmm. going to be part of community you're going to be sort of you're going to you're going to be a part of something bigger and greater mm -hmm. and so, that's a lot more fun yeah, mm -hmm. and then you definitely feel a lot more uh, comfortable, a lot more accepted, for sure. Yeah, and then so from there on, you can expand and grow, not just be yourself. You can find some, you can find a part of you that you never expected. That's true. Or you can find something that yeah. you never were supposed to be, mm -hmm. but because you had, he had now you're in a place where you have all these options. Mm -hmm. You can find that yeah. out now. Yeah. So like, it's kind of along those sayings of like when one door opens and or when one door closes another one opens yeah exactly and then from there you find all these other paths and opportunities that you can take from yeah. there it's like opening a door and finding four more doors yes going through one and then realizing oh i can come back through this door and this door still yes. open and yeah, i can yeah. go through another door mm -hmm. you know that's that's a, that, i think that's a part of the saying that people don't talk about enough yeah. you know it's like just because yeah. just because you go through a door doesn't mean this one closes and it shouldn't be that way yeah oh that's you know, true like, too why, yeah. why live in a two-room house <laughs> live in a mansion with, the, with 30 doors <laughs> well yeah i mean if only if only we could all do that right right yeah. So I think that's kind of a good 
good spot to kind of launch into this next and kind of final portion here is, you know, do you have any tips or advice for anyone who wants to get into acting or fight choreography or you do a little bit of screenwriting as well, so writing? Um, any tips or advice for people that want to get into the into this field? Practice. Um, practice, network. It's impossible to do everything yourself. Mm. You know, you can either find a community or build a community. Monroe's built, Monroe's pretty much built the Fox family. Um, and she's created a small little network of us as we work together for this, for this thing, you know. And you can't just, and well, and beyond networking from going more into practice now, you can't just show up on the day and expect everything to work out. Hmm. You have to practice beforehand. You have to, you know, find your inspiration, draw from that, and kind of do things that are facetious towards the towards the production. Not in a way to slow things down, but in a way to you know explore the way things can be. Mm-hmm. So when I do the choreography, I pretty much draw on the weapons. I kind of start from an origin point of zero zero, and I try to take it in a direction. You know, I'm pretty sure, like, I've worked with you directly on mm-hmm. this. It's like, I have an idea, and I write down these steps, and it just yeah. doesn't work out. Possibly because I just didn't think about how this step connects to this step and how awkward that can be. Mm-hmm. And also because we're two different people. We, we're not going to yeah. be able to do the same things. And the thing is to make you look good, mm-hmm. you know? Because I, I can't let my imagination control what you should be able to do. Yeah. It should be the other way around. And so I try to work with not just you, but all the other actors. Mm-hmm. They all have realistic limitations mm-hmm. you know like uh, my, my mind can go so many places with all the kung fu i watch and i'm not even at that point where i'm like a, a kung fu master but i can think <laughs> like that yeah and it's like oh this would be so cool to do but can we really do it <laughs> yeah. and so it's like trying to go out and pull it back and find the right way to keep moving forward yes so kind of along those lines of practicing you're saying like don't be afraid to to try mm-hmm. and maybe fail because you won't be able to progress unless you fail and learn from it yeah 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 because hey if one little way doesn't work out you know if this little move just isn't working because of the way the steps are it just it's just isn't fluid it isn't right for both actors in the fight yeah to work together well that's not the important part the important part is the fight so let's get rid of that step and figure out the better way to deliver the story mm-hmm. and then that also ties back to being able to work with that network too. Yeah, exactly. Because like you're helping each other grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're helping yeah. each other grow. You know, you have to find the people that will, that will help you. You have to, you know, stop working with people that don't. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've worked on actually on the productions the last couple of weeks with uh, another local San Diego film uh, film director producer guy, and it's kind of crazy going on to a different set, a whole different set, a uh, whole different production in the way things work. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I'm meeting a whole bunch of new people. It's amazing. But also I'm learning how to work a different way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I can't really just say, that, oh, this is how they do it here. Let's do it this way. Let's do it this way over here. Because yeah. you have to figure out the right way to go on each path. So you have to be a little bit adaptable as well. Mm-hmm. Very adaptable. Very flexible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. So unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this episode. Uh, do you have anything that you want to plug? Any social media that uh, people can follow you on yes on instagram i am battlemaster92 that's like my actor profile i have a personal one but i'm not gonna say that um <laughs> <Yeah>. facebook <laughs> uh samuel tabiendo oh samuel hunter tabiendo 
there's like my professional page well thank you again for your time hunter mm -hmm. uh, awesome as a reminder uh, to all of you listening this podcast is available on itunes stitcher and google play music so just search for skysoft and you'll find us there please make sure to subscribe to us on those platforms so you never miss an episode and go ahead and rate and review us so we you know we climb up those ranks we get on uh get more people to kind of listen in and uh, be a part of this journey with us and of course for all things skysoft including full episodes cast and show info and other updates be sure to check out skysoftentertainment.com so thanks for listening and until next time this is daniel andrade reminding you that sometimes the greatest truths are found beyond the page.